neighbor, high five someone in the forehead, give them a hug, let God know that they love that God loves them. Humor is good, isn't it? Humor is good. Well, I was asked to share today, obviously, because Isaac is playing a very busy role right now, a dad of many kids and a wife who can't move her legs, so he is home taking care of her. And the funny thing is, I got this word two weeks ago. We're at the campground. I went to third shift again. I took a new job, so my sleep schedule's a little balled up. I'm laying in bed. Finally, at 1 o'clock, I just like, forget it, I'll get up. Now, for some of you, that's probably natural because we get to that age where we just can't sleep anyway, so. Any amens in there? Yeah. Yeah, Danny, the midnight writer over here. So I get up, I'm like, okay, God, obviously you got something for me because I just cannot sleep. I can't shut my brain off. What do you got? And so I'm sitting there, and he starts literally just dumping this stuff on me. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I pull up my Bible, and I start perusing, and I get to Joshua, and I'm like, okay, I feel like it's here. Show me what you got. <clears throat> now, it was so strong and so powerful that I actually messaged Isaac at like 4 o'clock in the morning. He's probably like, why is Tom texting me at 4 a.m.? Danny can relate because I text Danny at 4 a.m. And he responds back. That's the funny part. But it was that strong. And I'm like, hey, I got a word today. I said, I'm ready to give it. If you, if, if, if you want to give up the day, I did not know that Chris was actually teaching that day. And he goes, oh, Chris is teaching. He goes, so I think we better let him do it. I say, I agree. So little do we know, today was coming. He's like, hey, I got your spot for you. So here we are. So that's where we're going to start today. We're going to be in Joshua. Um, we all know the story very well. I'm sure most of you heard it. But the Lord showed me something. Never saw before. You know, he speaks deep. Deep speaks to deep. It speaks to deep. But in order for the deep to be spoken to, you got to have ears to hear. You got to have ears to hear. You all have it. We've got to be good at being able to go quick to listen and slow to speak. Because if we're constantly talking, we can't hear. Would you agree? Now, some of you, that's easy, because some of you won't say two words unless someone forces it out of you. That's okay. But some of us like to talk, and it gets these in trouble. So, if you will with me, let's pray first, and then we'll go from there. Does that sound good? So, Papa, I thank you for today. I thank you, Father God. I feel like you've given a word that's in season. I thank you, Father God, that you love us. You've never left us or forsaken us. And you've paved a way, Father God, that for when we just feel like we're in a tight spot, all we got to do is take a deep breath, listen, lean on you, trust you, take the risk, and step in faith. So, Father, this morning we just give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if my voice goes a little faded on you, just roll with me and we'll just keep plugging along. Sound good? All right, we're going to give a little backstory. Most of you know who Joshua is. <laughs> One thing that I find funny about Joshua is the fact that when they were about to go into the promised land, you know, they sent the 10 spies in and they come back, and we all know the story. 
Two of them knew the story, two of them knew the truth. The rest of them were like, oh, there's giants in the land. And this always sticks to me because Joshua and Caleb, they were tearing their clothes off. They were so upset. So when I hear the name Joshua, I think of this man ripping his clothes off because he's ticked off at his brothers because he knew the promise. And the rest of them were like, oh, there's giants. And they were just afraid. They just couldn't do it. But anyway, some backstory. So they're, the Israelites have been wandering the desert for 40 years, right? And now a new, a new generation has been built up. And they're about to go into the promise and they're stepping in. And Joshua's about to take them in. Now, of course, you know the story. You know, they haven't wanted the wilderness for 40 years. God gives, um, gives Joshua a, a word. And the word is, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He takes this, he takes this word to the Israelites, and now they're all in lockstep agreement and have reaffirmed their commitment to God. And their battle cry or praise was to be strong and very courageous because God was with them. So before they go, what's the first thing Joshua does? He sends two spies in. Kind of make sure we got to get to lay the land, know what's going on, right? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Oh, that sounds so good hearing pages turn. Or if you got your phone, I know. That's fine too. Joshua chapter 1, or chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to leave a lot of verses here, but. It's important, all right? All right, here we go. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp to Acacia, however you say that. He instructed them, spy out the land on the other side of the Jordan, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out, came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent out orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house. They are spies sent here to discover the best way to attack us. Rahab, who had hidden the two men, replied, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the city at dusk as the city gates were about to close and I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath piles of flax. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing places of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the city gate was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and of the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise when the Lord gives us the land. 
Then since Rahab's house was built into the city wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days until the men who are searching for you have returned. Then go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we can guarantee your safety only if you leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and your relatives must be here inside the house. If you go out into the street, they will be killed and we cannot be held to our oath. But we swear that no one inside the house will be killed. Not a hand will be laid on any of them. If you betray us, however, we may not we are not bound by the oath in, in, in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scholar rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them had searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned to the city without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord will certainly give us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. So when I first started reading this, I was like, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? I've read this story before. I know what I know the whole story, but what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. You guys are very familiar with the story, correct? We know Joshua is. Who is Rahab? Who's Rahab? Ross, too, right? Would you say she's probably one of the least of these? If you think about society, she's probably down here, right? A nobody. In the world's eyes. <coughs> Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. As a prostitute, she lived on the edge of the city, one stop short of rejection. Her house was built right into the city wall. It's probably safe to say that by her living on the wall, she had to have felt especially vulnerable. Yet while the rest of the Jericonians were all afraid, she alone turned her heart toward God. She saw it. She's seen what Israelites God was doing for them. She knew. Her faith gave her courage to hide these two spies and lie to the authorities. You think Rahab's position was dangerous? just lied to the men of the city, right? She's taking a chance. She could have been killed. She caught harboring the two spies. If we read on, we see that Joshua and the nation of Israel crossed the Jordan by the power of God, stopping the Jordan River. So we remember that, right? They followed the, the ark and crossed the river and we're going to move fast and, or move up to chapter 5, verses 13 and 15, because the story continues. They've crossed the river. And the first place they come to is Jericho. As Joshua approached the city of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man facing him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I met your command, Joshua said. What do, you want me, what do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. And Joshua did what he was told. Now, in chapter six, 
how the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all, the mighty, all its mighty warriors. Your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the horns, have all the people give a mighty shout, then the walls of the city will collapse and the people can charge straight into the city. Verse 15. So now they're on the seventh day. On the seventh day, the Israelites got, got up at dawn and marched around the city as they had done before. But this time, they went around the city seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded long blasts on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble all on, it, on all Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into the, his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the city from every side and captured it. They completely destroyed it. They completely destroyed everything in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, donkeys, everything. And Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her people. The young men went, the young men went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And the Israelites burned the city and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in her house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. That last sentence is very important. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So we kind of get a glimpse of where, who, where Rahab is, right? After all this is said and done. <coughs> Powerful story, right? We could close right here. God's goodness. Right? We all go home. I'm like, Lord, there's more to this story. What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show me? You know, we can learn from this. <clears throat> if we put our faith and trust in God, he's always leads us, he always leads the way. And as a new covenant believer, we have something Joshua didn't. We have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. That's an amen, right? That's a praise, Jesus. I knew there was more, though. Like, what are you trying to show me, God? And I'm stubborn. So if you don't know my wife, she'll tell you I can be stubborn. So I sit there, and I almost, like a, like a, like a battle, like back and forth. Like, God, you're going to show me, you're trying to show me because I'm not seeing it. I knew it was something to do with Rahab, and I just wasn't sure. So I'm back and read it again. You guys know how your Bibles have the cross references, right? 
tells you where you can go to get more information, dive deeper. So I was reading it some more, and I got, and I forget which verse it was, and I think it was when they first mentioned Rahab. I look at the cross and it says, oh, go to Hebrews 11.31. So I went. So let's go to 11.31. You got your Bible or your phone? Who knows what chapter 11 is? What do we call it? <coughs> Faith chapter, Face Hall of Fame. Here's a prostitute listed in the Face Hall of Fame. It reads, verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, did not die with all the others in, his, in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. We already know that. We agree. <clears throat> I, knew there, <clears throat> I knew there was more, though. Because it's still the same story. <clears throat> so I ended up back in Joshua. Just trying to figure out what God was trying to show me. Who has a study Bible? <clears throat> Anybody got a study Bible? It's got all the stuff on the bottom of it. Kind of gives you some references and <clears throat> backstory. Now, I have found that some of that stuff doesn't line up, so that's why it's important to be in your word. Study it. Weigh it. I got to this part. And Joshua gives a good description of Rahab. Gives her strengths, her accomplishments, her weaknesses. It gives a little big description of her. Lessons from life we can learn from it. Vital statistics. I read it all. Nothing was jumping out at me. <coughs> Thank you. What I really want is gum. Man, they got gum. I'm serious. Gets the life of them when you chew gum, believe it or not. Thank you. Oh, I don't need that many. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Danny, thank you. The very bottom of my page, where it's talking about who Rahab is, it says Rahab's story is told in Joshua 2, which we just read. And six, which we just read. And she's also mentioned in Matthew 1. But that's not listed in my cross-reference on any page that goes to Rahab. Only at the bottom of that page. I didn't know why. I just assumed, why wouldn't it be in the cross-reference as well if, if your cross-reference is that accurate? Who knows what Matthew 1 is? The first 10 verses. Genealogy. I have a great story about Matthew 1. When Jerry and I were getting together back in the day, once, twice a week, we challenged each other to do something new. Or Jerry was bent on memorizing Matthew chapter 1. I ain't kidding you. That guy, I think, remembered the whole thing. You had the whole thing memorized, didn't you? Chapter 1. Every time we get together, he'd start... So Matthew chapter 1, let's read it. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. You wouldn't think something so simple that read, Salmon was the father of Boaz, his mother was Rahab. It wrecked me. Wrecked me. I bet I've read this chapter easily a dozen times in my short walk of life of 40 years. How did I never see this? And if you guys are like me, when you get reading the word, sometimes you just get to read and pretty soon you've read like a chapter, and like, what did I just read? <coughs> That's how my brain works. I have to read something a lot to get it to jump in. Here's a woman who was a prostitute. Least of these. The world looked at her as a nobody. Just a trade or a value, something, something that was used. Something to get something out of and then to throw away. And I'm sure she was just trying to survive, like all of us are. And here she is, listening to the genealogy of my Lord and Savior. Would you agree we all go through seasons? Some seasons are like this. We're just like on cloud nine, like God is with us. We just can sense it. Then you're in seasons where you're down here in the valley and it feels like, where is he at, Lord? You're speaking to mountains and they're not moving. Jordan and I decided to take an adventure spending time with a young man, mentoring him, working on becoming foster parents. And he's given me a glimpse of how to love differently versus the way I've always thought to love. So we did with Rahab. We read back in chapter two or six, what does it say? And she lives among the Israelites to this day. She knew what she had when she saw the Israelites coming. She saw the God that they had, and she knew she wanted it. So she called on him. And what did he do? He protected her, saved her. But he wasn't done with her. She then met a man, got married, had Boaz who was in the lineage, genealogy, of our Lord and Savior. You see how powerful that is? 
How many of you in here feel unqualified? Do you feel unqualified? You think Rahab was qualified to be in the lineage of our Lord and Savior? What did God see? Something way much more greater. He wasn't looking at her past, her mistakes, her failures. He saw someone who loved him, a daughter, who knew him. A lady of the night, a harlot, she had a lot of names, a woman who helped two spies who asked for protection and God honored it. Her story didn't end there. This is another great example of God revealing his love for his people, his sons and daughters. Do not let the enemy tell you you're not qualified. It's a lie. I shouldn't be up here sharing the word today if I go by my past history and my, my walk. It looks like this. This is no lie. Pick one of the past. That's me. God didn't look at that. He said, that's my son. Go lead worship. Go share the word. Go love on this person. I don't know what you're called to today. It's not necessarily being up in front of a church, teaching, leading worship, or greeting at the back door. You're called to something every day when you get up out of bed. Are some days tougher than others? Absolutely. You think it was tough for Rahab? Holy crap, here comes the usual army. Do I jump on board here? Do I keep safe here? She knew what was coming. She knew who God was. I'm calling on that guy. And even in the face of the fear of the people, the people coming to say, where's the two spies? And she lied. She knew what she was getting into. She was trusting God. Trust God. Trust God. I've experienced more joy and peace, hope, happiness in my life. By taking the risk on who he is and what he's said about me in here because of what he's done for me, not because I brought anything to the table. I didn't bring anything. But when we get out of bed in the morning, we have to get up, put our shoes on, and actually take the risk. If I get up out of bed in the morning and I'm just like this, rusting, that's okay. But after three, four, five, six days, guess what you're doing? Where's your hope at? Where's your faith at? Me and Trey were talking this morning. We have all the faith we're going to need. There are times in my life when I wasn't utilizing my faith as well, and I see the fruits from that. Not because of I'm bringing the table, because of what he's done for me. But when I'm standing steadfast and my faith is freaking high, and I'm like, yeah, God's got this. It's a different picture. Rahab had a different picture. She knew what was coming. I want some of that because I know what's coming. And she took a risk. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you. 
Proverbs 4.23. You got that one, Jane? Is that the image? If it'll work? It's being funky this morning, isn't it? That's all right. I'll go to my Bible. It's better anyways. Above all else, guard your heart for everything, for it affects everything you do. And our translation says, for from it flows the spring of life. Before you take that risk, I want to encourage you. Guard this thing. It's critical. Because what you're pouring into, it's what's going to come out. Every time. Every time. I cannot guard it for you. My wife cannot guard my heart for me. Who guards my heart? I do. I do. I choose what goes in here. I choose. You choose what pours into you. Your qualification today under the new covenant of Jesus Christ to take that risk is one word. Jesus. Period. You have to bring nothing else to the table. Take what was promised you. Step in faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And watch what happens. Your story could look like Rahab's. How awesome would that be? So let's take the risk this morning. Let's pray. Because you're mad, you matter. You are valued. You are loved by the Most High God. You are somebody to him. You're not, some, you're not something to someone else. You're something to him. You're valuable. So, Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the word that's in season this morning for us to take the risk this morning, to take that was bought and paid on the cross by your son, Jesus. That we can step in faith, knowing that you're with us, regardless of what my body may be feeling or sensing, or what the body and here the church pop is going through, when their circumstances they may be in, Papa God, that you're greater than those circumstances to get our eyes off of those things, start stepping in faith, knowing that you are with us, you've never left us, never forsaken us, that our story and your story is a great one, Father, a great one. Father, I thank you and I love you. I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.